You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. You're listening to episode 103. Today on the show, I am joined by Kaylee McDevitt, and we are talking about ovulation health. Ovulation 101, everything you need to know. Our guest today, Kaylee, is a registered dietitian that utilizes functional lab testing to help her clients personalize their nutrition for optimal health and hormones. Kaylee runs a virtual practice online and is a co-creator of the online women's health course and community, Her Hormones Academy. She is energized by helping others take the driver's seat of their own health and well-being, and I couldn't think of a better guest to talk about ovulation with. So in this episode, Kaylee and I chat all about what ovulation is, why it's important, why we need to have a healthy ovulation, and also how to obtain a healthy ovulation. You see, ovulation is like the pinnacle point of our menstrual cycle that actually equates to a healthy menstrual cycle, because if we don't ovulate, we're not going to menstruate. Now, ovulation is important for those wanting to conceive, but also for those wanting to avoid conception. So ovulation isn't just if you're trying to plan to have a child. We talk about this in this episode, along with the things you can do to help bring forward a healthy ovulation. So if you have a missing period, amenorrhea, have delayed cycles, so you've got extra long cycles, this is an episode you need to listen to to understand your ovulation. So we also touch on nutrition and nutrients that you need to have a healthy ovulation, physical movement and how that plays a key role with ovulation health. The important hormones that are necessary for ovulation, your brain's effect and impact with ovulation, along with preconception ovulation health, and three top tips for a healthy ovulation every single cycle. Because if we do have a healthy ovulation, we can have and achieve a healthy menstruation. Yep, a healthy period. So enjoy this episode with Kaylee and I as we delve into everything ovulation and what you need to know for a healthy ovulation. This episode is brought to you by my Vedic Woman's Masterclass. Do you like Ayurveda? Interested in the Ayurvedic way and how to live as an Ayurvedic woman or bring in ancestral traditions? This masterclass was designed to bliss your heart out, activate your body and awaken ancestral traditions. Throughout this two-hour live masterclass, you'll learn the fundamentals of Ayurveda through doshas, Ayurvedic elements, and the qualities to bring your body back into harmony. These teachings also weave in women's health awareness through hormones, menstrual cycle, emotions, and Ayurvedic psychology. Download the PDF worksheets that go with this masterclass and work through them with me as I guide you through the daily Ayurvedic rhythm and how you can apply this in the modern Western world, how to balance imbalances in your doshas, the Ayurvedic food elements that support women's health, and how you can connect with the fundamentals of each of your doshas, vata, pitta, and kapha. To learn more about this masterclass, head to wellsome.com forward slash shop. That's W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E dot com forward slash shop. And use the code CYCLELOVE to save 20% off. Kaylee, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this topic today, (laughs) ovulation health. 
how do I know when I'm ovulating? So before we jump into it, tell us what day of your cycle you're on and what are you checking in with right now in this moment? Hey, I am cycle day 16. So it's actually very timely for our chat today because I should be ovulating like right around now, um, which was totally unplanned. That was an accident. <laughs> we even rescheduled this and now it's even perfect. I know. Uh, perfectly. <laughs> it did. Um, and I am checking in with gratitude for virtual work. You know, before we started recording, we were sharing about how things have been going in this crazy year. And I'm just so thankful to be able to work from anywhere. And, you know, we just moved and was able to be uninterrupted by that. So thank goodness for technology. And that's how we connected anyways, too. Technology is so amazing, but it can be also yeah. so damaging. Love-hate relationship. Like, <laughs> yeah, it really is a love-hate relationship. But mm-hmm. I'm also grateful. So I love that that's what you're checking in with today. Um, I already know a fair bit about you, but for our listeners who have who no idea who the hell is this Kaylee chick you've got on the show, <laughs> who's going to talk to us about ovulation, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and how you got into this type of work. Sure. So I am a registered dietitian and I specialize in women's health. Um, and I do that through a virtual private practice that I run. Um, And then I also co-run an online women's health course and community called Her Hormones Academy. And I do this with another dietitian. And it basically took everything that we do with our own one-on-one clients and our own practices and made it like a DIY course and community so that we could reach more women. Because as you know, this kind of information is just not taught. You have to seek it out. And we wanted to make it accessible. Um, And before I got into this space, which this is not at all what I ever thought I would be doing, (laughs) um, I was really interested in sports nutrition. And that's what called me into the field of dietetics. Originally, I grew up always being an athlete. And um, I got into my internship on my path to becoming a dietitian. It was sports nutrition focused. And I started to have hormone issues. Um, I was on hormonal birth control at the time, which I'm sure we'll maybe talk more about. And I, you know, didn't feel like myself. I kept voicing these concerns to my practitioners. I was trying all the different types of pills out there, trying to find one that made me feel more like me and nothing ever did. And I kept getting dismissed and everything I was being taught in school about nutrition really wasn't helping me feel better. And so I had this like somewhat crisis where I felt like an absolute fraud as a health professional that I couldn't help myself. So I, out of necessity, started researching all things women's health and realized how much I didn't know and realized how powerful nutrition can be for supporting it and, you know, kind of fought my way back to feeling like myself. And when I got there, I realized that other women had the same stuff going on and that I actually wasn't alone. So i made a big pivot in my business and decided, how about I fill this void that seems to be there and help other women navigate hormone and digestive issues. So that's the uh, short version of how I ended up where I am now. <laughs> it's a beautiful version. And <laughs> I, I just love like something that was similar to my experience is, you know, I was already in the industry. I was already working as a coach. I'd already worked, you know, for seven years as a food science formulator in nutritional manufacturing for raw and live food products. Mm. But I'd never once in any of my study we're taught about the cycle. Not once. And I just, it just blows my mind. It's like mm-hmm. the emoji with the half blown apart. Yes. Head. <laughs> it 
it's just like why how when like like this isn't even covered in schools and this is why I now teach this in schools but I love that you know through your personal experience you can relate so much with um you know the women that you're working with and the women listening to this and Mm -hmm. those menstruators also listening to this that there it, it, it needs to be educated on and there's a lot of misunderstanding including around the topic that we're talking about today mm-hmm. which is really- and so much power in understanding this too and I think that's probably my favorite part of my job is like there's this always this aha moment that my clients have when they like something clicks into place and they really understand themselves or understand how their mm-hmm. body works and how they can support it and how ultimately they're on the same the same team and um yeah, there's just a lot of power in knowing how your body works and specifically about ovulation. Oh, you, I, I just, I couldn't agree more. And <laughs> for those women listening to this who are, and the menstruators listening to this who are like, look, I've been doing this for like three, six months and, you know, I'm not getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. I just got an email from a client yesterday who I've been working with for 18 months. So a year and a half. And we've been working, you know, she's working towards the goal of conception now. So she's planning cool. on conceiving soon. So she's now off the hormonal contraceptive pill, which I helped her transition with. And she's using fertility awareness method. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she emailed me. She's like, oh my God, I feel like I finally get my body in this whole new dimension. It's like a whole new world. And And I'm saying to her, look, like, it's been 18 months and now you're learning this. Mm-hmm. There's so much that no matter where you are in your journey, so if you're listening to this, just know that like, there is hundreds of hours you could spend learning about your body and discovering new elements to it. And that's why it's so important to, to listen and tune in and learn. Yeah, I love that. Let's talk about ovulation. Okay. When it comes to ovulation, I think it's a really uneducated topic mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are talking about menstrual like menstruation yeah. education educating about bleeding and periods but ovulations excuse the language fucking important because yeah. we menstruate because <laughs> we ovulate like yes you know I was just teaching at a school on Friday to 17 and 16 and 17 year old mm. um, menstruators and I was like look they're all asking like why is my period late why do I have like a 60-day cycle and I'm like look we menstruate because we ovulate. So if you're not menstruating, what's happening? Mm-hmm. And they're like, maybe not ovulating. I'm like, yes, yeah, so let's talk about ovulation. So what do you see with ovulation health in, um, in your practice? Oh yeah, I, I see the full gamut of it. I see um, really long cycles. So either delayed or missed ovulation. Um, I work with many women with um, amenorrhea. So no cycle at all, no ovulation. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with quite a few fertility clients that have been struggling to conceive and um, sometimes they're ovulating, sometimes they're not. And if they are ovulating, it's a matter of learning how to figure out when that is. And if they're not ovulating, it's a matter of figuring out why and supporting the body so that it can. So yeah, I see a wide, wide variety of, of ovulation stuff over here. There is so much ovulation stuff. And this is why I'm so excited to talk about this topic. Mm -hmm. Let's start as my mind rambles with a thousand questions to ask you, <laughs> let's start with the, the common question at, of like, how do I know when I'm ovulating? Yeah. It's, I think that's a good foundation. And then we can talk about, well, what do I do when I'm not ovulating? Mm-hmm. How do I know if I'm, my body's attempting ovulation, but then it's not properly ovulating and then it's having a delayed ovulation. So let's yeah. just talk about 
how do I know when I'm ovulating? Yeah. Like ovulation 101. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So for anybody that might be brand new to this, um, ovulation is typically in the middle of your cycle. I say typically, cause it's not always the case and we'll get into that, but this is the one day event when an egg is actually released from a follicle. And so this is the moment when conception can occur. Once that egg is available, much unlike what I was taught in school, you actually can't get pregnant any random day of the month. It's all centered around if, and when you ovulate. No. <laughs> <I know. Ooh. laughs> I know that was like mind blowing information for me. Um, And so if we backtrack a second and look at the menstrual cycle as a whole, um, we have a couple different phases that we can put the days into. And so day one would start the first day of your menstruation, the first day that you're bleeding. And this would start what's called the follicular phase. And it's called this because there are follicles in our ovaries that have um, immature eggs, essentially. And over the course of the follicular phase, so follicular follicles, the egg is maturing inside the follicle. Once it hits peak maturity, it gets released and that's called ovulation. And once that egg gets released from the follicle, we enter something called the luteal phase, which is the second half. And the name is coming from the fact that the follicle turns into a really awesome gland called the corpus luteum that makes our beautiful progesterone. So think corpus luteum, luteal, And so the second half is progesterone. It's called the luteal phase. um, And that's either going to end in pregnancy or the start of your next period. So if you ovulate, you do menstruate. If you don't ovulate, you don't menstruate. So really a hundred percent of what we care about for hormone production, fertility, and whether or not we get a period is dependent upon whether or not we ovulate. Mm. I think it's important on that point is that for those menstruators out there who are like I don't want to fall pregnant Nuh-uh, that's mm-hmm. not my goal yeah it's still important for you to ovulate and have a healthy ovulation yes. because if you don't have a healthy ovulation then your menstruation is going to be out and that's when you can have cycle signs like mm-hmm. heavy period pain bleeding spotting cramps mood swings you name it everything yeah. um really good 101 there Thanks. I think I missed your original question of how do I tell? But yes, like so now, how do we tell? Like yes, now that we understand, all right, roughly, you know, we ovulate in like a middle-ish section of our cycle. Mm -hmm. I know when I was, (laughs) Kaylee, when I was studying fertility awareness, I was blown away when my teacher said to me, "Technically, there's around 19 days of your cycle where you can potentially conceive," Mm -hmm. and I was like. 19 like what (laughs) and so for me I was already like this is quite recent right I was like I didn't think it was 19 I thought maybe 10 you know and the more you learn about the clinical side and see experiences and case studies you're just like holy fucking moly it's Mm -hmm. just it's it's just yeah it's insane and so it's important that when I said this before we hit record that like just because your app pops up with a reminder is like Hey Gemma, you're just about to enter your fertile window. Yeah. Your app doesn't know that. <laughs> so how do you know if your app doesn't know? How do you know when you're ovulating? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So I think the the term for this would just be body literacy. It's learning how to pick up on the very pretty clear signs that your body gives you that ovulation is coming or that ovulation happened. And ideally we're using a combination of 
metrics on both sides. So um, the thing that happens before we ovulate is you notice a change in cervical fluid. Um, and I'm sure you probably have so many resources on this department, but essentially we are going to have fertile cervical fluid leading up to ovulation. And that's more of an egg white consistency is typically what we're looking for. So that's your first indication that ovulation is probably near. One of these markers alone is not enough though. We need to have multiple things that we're tracking. Um, the next would be paying attention to changes in cervical position. And the one after that would be paying attention to your basal body temperature. And there's a distinct temperature rise that happens after we ovulate. So if we can use at least two out of three of these metrics, we can pretty accurately identify when that fertile window is. So the changes in cervical fluid are cluing you in that you're in your fertile window and need to be careful if pregnancy is not your goal. And then that temperature spike is confirming that ovulation did in fact happen. Um, there are so many various apps and even devices now that can help make the tracking of these details a little bit more streamlined, but you can also do it the old fashioned way with like pen and paper on paper charts. Um, and it's a matter of, of cluing into those signs and symptoms that your body gives you. Oh, so good. <laughs> because I know that it can be really overwhelming being like, I have to check three different things right. just to know if I'm ovulating. Like, God, it's such a drag. Like <laughs> I can't even check three apps on my phone for right. notifications. <laughs> like, but it really comes down to your goals and knowing what your goals are, I think. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Now we, we know what ovulation is. We know mm -hmm. how to check for ovulation. Yep. But what about if you're not ovulating, how do you know if you're ovulating. So we mm -hmm. talked about how to know when you're ovulating, but how do you know if you're ovulating? Because for, for a woman, and I've got a client at the moment, actually, she hasn't, um, she's got amenorrhea. So she's got like, she's doing the period salute, looking for a period. Yes. <laughs> and she's like, I'm trying to pinpoint if I'm going to have an ovulation. Now she's got lots of other work that needs to happen, you know, with blood work and understanding that aspect first. But how do you point like, pinpoint if you are going to ovulate mm -hmm. like how do you know this that's a good question yeah like how do you know if it's coming up yeah like mm -hmm. well we know how to identify when we're going to ovulate so yeah. we can you know use those methods we can even do the basal body temperature we can mm -hmm. check cervical um, position we can check cervical mucus but what about for women who have these longer cycles how mm -hmm. do we know if or when or how I'm going to ovulate if I haven't ovulated in a while yeah so if you are without period, like you're not having a period at all, or you have amenorrhea, we know that that's because ovulation is not happening. And I think it's often demoralizing to be tracking all of those three variables that we went through all the time if you don't have a consistent cycle, um, because then you're taking your temperature every morning and hoping to see a temperature spike or um, sometimes cervical fluid can actually be a little misleading in cases of amenorrhea where we have that fertile cervical fluid, but it's just for much longer than we should. Mm. Um, but if you do get periods and they're just coming less regularly, um, in addition to those three things that we were talking about before, those being very clear signs that ovulation was either imminent or happened, um, there are changes in the way that you physically feel as well. Um, as we get closer to ovulation, because of a surge in estrogen, we tend to feel energetic and more confident, um, more extroverted in that time. 
that's typically a good time for like social outings or big presentations at work. Um, we actually perform better in the gym as we lead up to ovulation because of that great estrogen that we have around. And then after our ovulation happens, there's more progesterone around and we tend to be a little bit more uh, lower energy, um, tend to be more like, I'd rather do some yoga versus lifting some heavy weights, a little bit less social in that window. So there are some less clinical clues of ovulation that have to do with those big swings in hormones that we have either before or right after ovulation. So good to know. Because it just goes to show, and I teach with like a four pillar approach, Mm -hmm. nutritional, emotional, physical, and spiritual energetic, Mm. is that there are so many ways and aspects that you can actually clue into this. It's not just like one or like one and that's it. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of menstruators get confused. They look at their app and there's like, well, the app is just really checking kind of one thing. And this is one way to check with one device and app, Mm -hmm. but there's many different ways you can do that. Um, all right, let's talk about having a healthy ovulation yeah. and switching the gear up because I think in general, everyone kind of knows that we need to ovulate, mm-hmm. but it's, if you have, I feel any challenge with your cycle, we really need to pinpoint how to have a healthy ovulation. Yeah. And this is beyond like fixing period pain or healing, you know, heavy mm-hmm. bleeding and, or excessive bleeding, you know, it all, we need to go back to the root cause, which is yep. ovulation. So how do we get my ovulation healthy, like how do we do this? So maybe let's talk about the first aspect of why is it important to have a healthy ovulation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the most important thing to remember with ovulation is that ovulation is how we make our hormones. Without ovulation, we're not making estrogen and we're not making progesterone. And estrogen and progesterone are responsible for all of the things that make us who we are. I mean, they're honestly responsible for our energy, for our mood, for our sex drive, for our performance in the gym, for our body composition, for our metabolism. I mean, there aren't any aspects of physiology that aren't impacted by our sex hormones, specifically estrogen and progesterone. So if we're not ovulating, we're not benefiting from those things. And those things go beyond the things that I mentioned and also into things like heart disease prevention and keeping our bones healthy. Like there's some very significant health benefits that come from having those hormones and we are made that way by design. So Mm. ovulation is, is everything. I mean, it's the focal point of the menstrual cycle, even though the period gets all the attention. It does really get all the attention, (laughs) doesn't it? Yes. (laughs) So when it comes to getting a healthy ovulation on a consistent basis, we have to think about where all of these signals in the body are coming from. And a way that I like to teach this with my clients is we have to remember that this starts in the brain. So when we think about ovulation or women's health, we're typically thinking about reproductive organs, which is where this is going down, but they're not calling the shots. The brain is setting the tone for this. And so what your brain does is it gathers input from how you live your life. So how much food you eat, what kind of exercise you do, are you managing stress, are you fulfilled spiritually, and uh, do you have a good social network, are you sleeping, are there nutrient deficiencies, Um, is there infection or inflammation present, it's gathering all of this data every single day, and ultimately making the decision, am I safe, and if the answer is yes, the body's like, sweet, cue up ovulation, it sends some hormones down to your ovaries that get this whole process rolling that we talked about. Now, if your body detects inputs that make it feel unsafe, 
it decides that it would rather not bring a new life into this world right now out of your best interests and shuts the process down or at least delays it. And so the whole decision of whether or not we ovulate comes down to, does my body feel safe? And it's a good way to think about this too, because I think we can get a little bit um, angry toward our body for not ovulating consistently, but really your body has your back. It really comes down to It's a protection mechanism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like the body's like, well, I don't feel safe. I always, the way mm-hmm. I kind of describe it to the women in the Well Women Academy is that if, you know, your body is like, hey, do we think we could carry child and yep. birth a child and have this in a safe environment whilst also protecting and keeping your body healthy? The body's like, hmm, it's a yes or no answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's <laughs> no gray. Yes, we're going to ovulate or no. It's like, oh, well, what's the point of putting your body through all of this work to ovulate if you're not safe to do this? Yeah. Love that overview. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's, that's the frame to look through if you're not ovulating at all or not ovulating consistently is how can we tease through those different inputs that the brain is gathering to change them so that the brain does feel safe so that the body can proceed because your body wants to have this happening on a monthly basis. This is how we were designed. It's how we function and feel our best. Um, And it's really a matter of figuring out what's this non-safe signal and how can I change that for the better? Oh, so juicy. What is my (laughs) non-safe signal? So perfect. Kaylee, what, let's talk about nutrition mm-hmm. for ovulation. So now that we know, okay, well, how do I get my ovulation in, in, in check? We can look at the reasons why we're not ovulating. Mm-hmm. But what are some things we can do that are actually going to contribute to having a healthy ovulation, like yeah. nutrition? Because I know that nutrition, whether it's nutritious nutrition or non-nutritious <laughs> nutrition, um, can impact. So let's talk about that. Yeah. And it's I like, think, as a dietitian, this, yeah. is your, this, is your, this is your field. <laughs> this is my space. Um, yeah. And I would say, I would argue this is probably the most important of those brain inputs that we just talked about as far as uh, helping your body feel safe. Um, the best thing that you can do to, con- to have consistent, healthy ovulation is make sure you're eating enough on a consistent basis. And in the type of women that I work with in my practice, many of them um, have either been chronic dieters or had been just unknowingly not eating enough for long periods of time and gotten really out of touch with their own hunger and fullness cues. And to your brain, under eating is equivalent to being in a famine. And, you know, once again, your body's got your back and it's like, whoa, she's in a famine right now. Now is not the time to be supporting another life. We don't even have enough energy to support her. Let's shut this down. So when you're approaching nutrition for ovulation, the foundation of your pyramid here is make sure we're eating enough every single day. And that might mean calculating some numbers to give you a a ballpark of what to shoot for. It might mean tracking your intake to see where you fall in relation to that number. Because I think most of the marketing geared towards women is telling us that all we need is 1200 calories a day. And Um, It's not very feminine to eat more. And there's just, we've been totally screwed by the diet industry as women, as menstruators. So that would be the first foundation. And then from there we can build, we can go to nutrient dense foods, um, picking quality proteins, good anti-inflammatory fats, lots of plant foods, so fruits and vegetables, and then good fibrous carbohydrates. So first is quantity. Second is quality. 
Um, and then if you wanna get even more specific from there, you can talk about individual macronutrients and how those impact ovulation. Um, I tend to not get that specific with my clients um, because that's just not the population that I tend to work with, but each macronutrient, which is carbs, proteins, and fats confer different hormonal benefits and they are all important and should all be present at mealtimes. I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my five-day Love Your Cycle mini course. This is a self-paced course to teach you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in less than a week. If you are a woman looking to rediscover your cycle, reconnect with your feminine in a new way, understand your cycle science and what they mean, this is the mini course for you. Receive daily educational class videos and audios, along with action steps, cycle tracking guides, cycle prompts, and the Love Your Cycle 50 page ebook and audiobook. This is your chance to discover the things that you wish you had have been taught about your cycle at school, how to eat, how to move, honoring your emotions, and identifying PMS and cycle science before they arise. It's your turn to join thousands of women from all over the world who have already taken this course to reclaiming and reconnecting with their bodies. And you can do this too for less than a fancy vegan burger in under a week. To learn more, head to wellsome.com forward slash shop. That's W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E.com forward slash shop. And use the code CYCLELOVE to save 20% off. I was just thinking before, Kaylee, when you were saying how important it is to really make sure you're eating enough food. Mm -hmm. This brings up a topic that I know was really popular in the last two years, around two years ago, kind of like, or maybe three years ago, is fasting. Oh, yeah. And I get a lot of questions from women who you know they want to fast because of the benefits of fasting mm-hmm. and intermittent fasting and then we've got like liquid juice detoxes yeah. I used to water fast for 36 hours mm-hmm. you know once a week every week yeah. and you know I did that for for a long time for like two or three years straight and I loved it, it was like part of my routine but is fasting really supportive for a healthy ovulation mm-hmm. Oh man, that's a difficult question. Uh, And I do too experiment with fasting on an occasional basis because there's some really fascinating research about the benefits of fasting, no doubt. Um, But what I say to my clients when we talk about this topic is if we are having any issues with ovulating on a consistent basis, fasting is not for you in this season. It doesn't mean we can never do this, but it's an earned tool. And that we, the way that we earn that tool is by helping our body feel safe for a long stretch of time so that if we do experiment with fasting for those health benefits, our body doesn't immediately think, oh no, we've gone back to our old ways. Um, It's basically just building that trust with your body again. Great point. I think too, there's a really important factor. There's a difference between fasting at home whilst you're still living your day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. So still working, still being in relationships, you know, with partner, family, friends, um, upkeeping your lifestyle or your routine in general, as opposed to doing a fast on a holiday or a trip. Mm-hmm. Because generally when you're on a holiday and trip, you feel safe, you feel relaxed, yeah. you feel connected. And so that mind aspect, like you were saying before about the brain sets the tone, the brain feels completely harmonized and balanced. So the like yeah. what you're saying is that, so when you fast, your body's not thinking it's in danger. Whereas if you're mm-hmm. fasting and you're trying to like work 
50 hours a week, plus go to the gym four times and, you know, upkeep yeah. with all these personal events you've got going on, the body's going to freak out and be like, dude, you ain't got room for a baby here. Exactly. Exactly. So it's earned. Um, and I like to make that distinction because I think, especially for the, the women dealing with amenorrhea, it often feels like they can't do the things that other women that don't struggle with that can do. And it just means no for now. It doesn't mean no, never. Um, because there are all kinds of things that sometimes you have to strip back when you're getting to the root of why you're not ovulating and fasting. I wouldn't consider appropriate in that time, like super intense, rigorous exercise wouldn't be appropriate in that time. Anything that stood the chance of sending an I'm not safe signal to your brain, we'd pull out temporarily, but it doesn't mean it has to always stay out. So I just want to make sure you don't lose morale over that fact. (laughs) Really like such great points, especially just even that on nutrition, my next question was going to be around the physical movement, but we've Mm. kind of touched on it. Um, So let's just talk about if a woman is having a a challenge with ovulation health happening Mm. accurately, um, and that can be for for women who have failed attempts at at ovulation and then they ovulate later in their cycle and all of a sudden they've got, you know, a 56-day cycle. For those women and those women with amenorrhea, missing period or absence of period menstruation what are your physical movement um, tips for health for a healthy ovulation yeah so I think movement will always be important movement's important for all human beings Um, it's supporting blood flow which is helpful for your reproductive organs to be functioning healthy Um, but we want to be careful because exercise is a stress on the body Um, it can be a good stress but when ovulation is not happening consistently, that's a big red flag from the body that there's just in general too much stress. It's not feeling safe. So I tend to recommend we scale back on exercise duration and intensity. So more long walks in nature or focusing predominantly on strength training with adequate rest in between instead of long duration cardio, like marathons or hit training, which I think everybody has been doing this year because they've been working out from home and all of a sudden all workouts are hit workouts. Um, And that intensity of training can be too much on an overstressed out system. So as much as a lot of women love to use exercise as an outlet for stress, we have to remember that sometimes that can work against us and can actually backfire. It was actually me for sure. (laughs) More stress, right? Yes. Um, It just goes to show that that same guidance you're sharing for those who have a missing period or delayed ovulation, so delayed period, that can be applied for every menstruator because we're not designed to have high-intensity training throughout our entire cycle anyway. Mm -hmm. So I think that as women, if we can really embrace and surrender to this behaviour of movement, it actually will benefit us long-term and you mentioned that you used to be somewhat of an athlete and like mm-hmm. high, like, and used to train a lot. I yeah. trained all the freaking time. No wonder <laughs> I lost my period and yeah. didn't notice because I was on the pill. Um, yeah, really, really good points. Now let's talk about nutrition for your hormones. If you've mm-hmm. got any tips around that for ovulation. So you mentioned, sure. let's just do a quick overview again, a recap of the mm-hmm. hormones for ovulation. You mentioned about the follicular stimulating hormone in the follicle mm-hmm. phase. And then you mentioned about the luteal luteinizing hormone in the luteal mm-hmm. phase, so first half, second half of your cycle. We've got other hormones too. So what other core hormones, just recap 
for a healthy ovulation? And then what nutrition focal points are good for helping bring your ovulation into a healthy balance? For sure. So the two main sex hormones that are, are going up and down throughout the cycle are estrogen and progesterone. There are others, but for the context of this conversation, I don't think we got to rattle all of those off, but so we don't need all 40 plus of them. No. <laughs> We've got the two brain hormones, FSH, LH, follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone. And then the two ovarian hormones, estrogen and progesterone. And knowing that we build estrogen and progesterone out of fat, out of cholesterol, specifically their steroid sex hormones is an important segue into nutrition for ovulation because we have to have the building blocks available in the body, the raw materials to manufacture those hormones appropriately. And this is where low fat dieting can really do menstruators a disservice because we may not simply have enough raw materials around to manufacture our estrogen and progesterone if we're not getting enough healthy fats in our diet. And thankfully, um, at least here in the US, it seems, I won't speak for Australia, um, that we've, we're coming out of those decades of really being afraid of fat and remembering. We are here too. Okay. I think, world, I, think <laughs> okay. I think with the benefit of the online world, really worldwide, we're embracing more and more, as long as we're eating close to nature. Yeah. Which is my, my guidance always yes, eating I as close that. to nature as possible. I think if we just focus on that, it kind of cuts out all the other crap anyway. Yep. And I think that a lot of people are quite focused in on it, um, especially with the avocado love. Like everyone loves a good avocado. Everyone does. I love that as close to nature. Yeah, that's the same rule of thumb I would use too. We just want fats in their real form. So avocados, nuts and seeds, olive oil, um, coconut oil, even like grass-fed butter or or full-fat dairy, um, fattier cuts of meat or fatty fish, those kinds of real fats in their whole form, instead of being processed and morphed into some kind of a weird food product, like a vegetable oil, uh, help us build sex hormones, which is great. And so we've got to build a foundation with good, healthy fats in our diet. Those fats help us absorb fat soluble vitamins from our food too. So, you know, vitamins D and E are really big for hormone production too. Yeah, we don't get those from our meals if we don't have any fat in those meals. And just on vitamin D, a lot of the the world, mm-hmm. all genders are low in vitamin D. It's yep. it's quite a pan, that alone is a bit of a pandemic to, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. I think, and For I sure. think with this, with this with this year of what we've just had, you know, with twenty twenty, is it we've spent more time indoors than we probably ever have, you know, yep. in our lifestyle or in our, in our lives, our lifetime, sorry, is the word I was looking for <laughs> is that, yeah, we're, we're more vitamin D deficient. And I know it's so important to be getting that. So important. So important. And um, I see that a lot in my infertility clients or women with amenorrhea is um, low vitamin D. I mean, so many of us have that going on because we're spending a lot of time indoors and then, we're all really concerned about wrinkle prevention. So we're slathering on SPF all the time, which, you know, that is a good thing, but we're just not getting sunshine. Like we used to. Mm. Yeah. You're, you're spot on. You're spot on. <laughs> so um, healthy fats. Yeah. Food for healthy um, fats. Yep. Healthy fats. And then we also want to get enough protein in our diet. So we get amino acids from protein. Those are our building blocks of a lot of our brain chemicals, our neurotransmitters, um, So I tend to have women consuming 
uh, high quality animal proteins because of the bioavailable nature of both nutrients and amino acids there, but it can absolutely be done from a plant-based standpoint too. It just takes a little bit more planning and work, make sure we're getting all our amino acids. And then carbohydrates um, along with fat is another macronutrient that kind of comes in and out of popularity. Um, I'm definitely pro carbohydrate over here. I think we need it. And um, it, it's important for ovulation that the brain sees enough glucose or blood sugar, which we get from eating carbohydrates. So I tend to see people getting into trouble when they've been low carb long-term and actually lose their ovulation and their cycle. So it's like most- starving your brain. Yeah. Yes. Like, <laughs> when I studied ancestral health, if you look at even the word carbohydrate, it has the word hydrate in you. Yeah. And so if you just cut out all carbohydrates, which is somewhat very impossible to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you're just cutting out all carbohydrates, like you're actually dehydrating yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and it's not fun, you know, to add to that. <laughs> Carbs carbs are great. So we want to see some carbs in those meals too. Um, I love to get high fiber carbohydrates whenever possible. So, you know, good root vegetables. And if you tolerate um, grains, like in the whole form, fruits, berries, things that are going to have some fiber to them, because that's going to confer some benefits to our gut health, our microbiome, and also prevent our blood sugar from getting out of whack from those carbohydrates. Um, blood sugar balance is a part of this whole conversation. And the best way that we can accomplish stable blood sugar and giving our body and brains enough fuel is by having carbs, proteins, and fats together in meals. So instead of just grabbing like uh, a cereal bar on your way out the door, it's making sure that we've got somebody in each of the columns for protein, carbs, and fats. So that might be, you know, a couple hard boiled eggs with that cereal bar that you like and a handful of almonds or something like that. So avoiding naked carbohydrates is the way that I always talk about it with my clients. It's making sure that the meals that you eat are actually staying with you longer than five minutes. So important, <laughs> like vitally important um, for all health, not even just ovulation health. Yeah. Um, oh, these are really great topics. I, I think that, you know, for women, another question is, you know, if they're planning on conceiving, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, having a healthy ovulation is like, the number one goal for you yeah <laughs> yeah forget about your period yeah focus on your ovulation is that you know for women who are listening to this and are planning on conceiving mm-hmm. um what are some some things that they can do to support healthy ovulation for conception yeah so there's lots of women who want a healthy ovulation just so they have a good menstruation mm-hmm. they can reduce you know cycle signs throughout their cycle focusing on those that that um, that niche of or that group of um, menstruators who are like yeah ready for the baby making time yeah how do we make sure that we have this healthy egg Mm -hmm. so that we have a good foundation for a healthy child yeah and I've got to say there isn't a time in life when what you do for yourself is more important than when you're looking to conceive because that's going to have a generational impact and your nutrient status is going to affect baby's nutrient status. And I don't know where I originally learned this, but um, you actually can affect multiple generations. So if you are pregnant with a baby girl, that baby girl has all the eggs she will ever have already at the time that she's in utero. So it's like multiple generations are feeding off of your own nutrition. So if there's ever a time to care about nutrition more, it's preconception and conception. So in addition to all the things that we've already talked about with adequate nutrition, 
getting many of those macronutrients at all of your meals. Micronutrient status becomes even more of a, of an important topic when conception is your goal, because we're going to use those nutrients to build healthy baby to support a healthy pregnancy. And you're going to pass along a lot of those nutrients to baby throughout your pregnancy and breastfeeding. So it's also a matter of making sure you're not totally depleted by that experience too. Mm-hmm. So nutrient that has so foods, many ramifications. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We can have you a know, whole combo about that. Too. <laughs> literally like if you are not supporting yourself well enough now, you know, prior conception, you then have four trimesters, not just three. You've got yeah. the fourth trimester, which is post birth, yep. post labor, which is sometimes even the more important than the first three. Yeah, I know. You're absolutely right. So sorry, I cut you off. Go. Oh no, no, you're fine. That's an important caveat. I think people get so focused on the delivery that it's all over after that. And it most definitely is not. Mm-hmm. It's um, just where the story begins. Yeah, actually. Yeah, right. <laughs> so if you set yourself up for a healthy pregnancy with like robust nutrient stores, that fourth trimester becomes easier to navigate and easier to experience. But um, antioxidants are a really big deal if we're looking to conceive. Um, And that's because we want to protect those eggs from free radicals. And that's how we ensure good egg quality. So we're talking about things like vitamin E and vitamin C, selenium, um, CoQ10 is another big egg supportive nutrient. Yes, so Um, good. I'd even throw iodine into the mix there as something that's very important for ovarian health. And so we can get these things through food, of course. So brightly pigmented fruits and vegetables, those healthy fats that I mentioned, Um, And then I I always like to see women on a good quality prenatal that's going to have some of those additional like egg supportive nutrients, those antioxidants, Mm. because it's tough. Even if you're very diligent about planning your diet out, it's sometimes tough to get enough of these nutrients because soil is more depleted today versus, you know, 50, 100 years ago. Um, So I like those in combination. And then it's also looking at ways in your life that we can decrease some stress on the body. So taking stress management skills seriously. And if you haven't experimented with that, maybe, you know, for a week, try journaling, then the next week, try meditating, then the next week, try breath work, and then look back and see which one had the most positive impact for you. Um, which one did you enjoy the most and build a strong stress management practice. Um, maybe Such a great tip. you can do with a partner, you know, um, movement, I think is an important part of, of conception too. We, we hit on that when we were talking about it for ovulation, but a body in motion means good blood flow and we've got to have good blood flow to deliver oxygen and nutrients to the ovaries, to those eggs. So, you know, avoiding the sedentary time that we've all had through COVID. (laughs) No wonder everyone's been hitting it with high intensity, right? Yeah. We've, we've all just been sitting or at least I have, um, sleep is a really big one too. Like really taking that seriously, getting on a consistent sleep and wake schedule, um, working on things that can improve the quality of that sleep. So like a cold, dark, quiet room, getting your, your partner, if, if you live with a significant other on the same schedule, so that sleep's not disrupted because that's a pretty underrated source of stress on the human body is not getting enough sleep and uh, totally underrated. Big deal. Yeah. Oh, and you're going to lose that once you hit the fourth trimester. So you got to get it now. <laughs> And not only that, like, so I've got a, a close friend who's in her, the middle of her second trimester now. Mm-hmm. And 
her sleep already is disrupted. You know, she's having to sleep in a slightly different position because she's, you know, getting bigger. She's mm-hmm. also weighing a lot more. So she's getting up in the middle of the night and she's having broken sleep. And so preconception plan with sleep is really important. It's kind of like, yeah. not that it's really kind of possible to build your sleep stores, but it's kind of ensuring that your body has a safe sleep cycle because that also shows that you feel safe. So that will improve yeah. ovulation health. But if you can't do that and allow in your lifestyle for that before there's a conception, mm-hmm. after birth, there's no possible way you're going to have a sleep cycle. Yeah. So getting in that routine and kind of setting that foundation before you even conceive is like a huge benefit. Huge. Oh my gosh, huge. Um, let's see if there's anything else I'd add. Oh, one thing that I do like when I'm chatting with, with clients as they are looking to conceive is cutting down on things that we're either consuming or exposed to that might be either providing stress to the body or potentially sapping those antioxidants. So it might mean cleaning up some, uh, like beauty care, personal care products, um, household cleaners. So we're cutting down on chemical exposure. It might be opting for organic when possible. So we can cut down on pesticide exposure and it might mean switching, um, you know, like a nightly glass of wine out for like a, a golden latte, like a turmeric latte, something that's going to give some antioxidants versus take. Um, so there are all kinds of nice little routines you can build for yourself um, that feel very much like indulgent and ritual at night, help you wind down for your day and get you ready for sleep um, that are a little bit more supportive as you approach conception. Amazing. These are all such great and important tips um, that like these are topics we could literally talk about for hours. I know because there's so many things that you can do to support yourself. But out of everything that you mentioned, particularly around preconception health, that it's all just vitally important for all health mm-hmm. and oh, for totally. all menstrual cycle health and for all health of all human human beings, for all animals, yeah. sleep, good nutrition, managing your stress. You know, even dogs, you know, that, you know, have had trauma in the past, they still have to learn to manage their stress or have mm-hmm. owners who can help them manage their stress. So yeah. this affects every everybody, everything really. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a really good overview on all of that. Now, as we, as we get close to wrapping up, we're nearly out of time. Ovulation health. What are your three top tips to managing or ensuring you've got a healthy ovulation every cycle. Okay. Eating enough, taking a serious audit for your exercise and making sure that that's supporting you and not bringing you down. Like it's enough movement to get the benefits, but not so much that we slip onto the other side of the spectrum and bringing too much stress. Then the last one is, is um, making sure we don't have nutrient deficiencies And a good prenatal is something that I recommend for most women, even if conception is not your goal. If your goal is just to have regular ovulation, all of those same nutrients are important. I mean, it's enough B vitamins and zinc and vitamin C, E, magnesium. There's so many nutrients involved in that process. It's very nutrient dense or energy required process. And I just see so many women falling short there. And Hmm. the addition of that on top of, you know, eating enough good foods can be a real game changer because if the body's lacking in a raw material, we're not going to see those hormones produced. And then we don't see that ovulation happen. It's so true. It's like building your house. If you're lacking in a raw material, <laughs> the house is going to look a bit odd. Yeah. You know, it's going to be something <laughs> missing. And our body is the same with nutrients. Um, 
like for myself, Kaylee, I actually use a prenatal. I have Me for too. the last two, three years, you know, and I'm yep. like, no, I don't have the, the goal of conception, yep. but mm. it just has helped with my overall cycle so much. And yeah. for me, the price of a regular multivitamin, the price of a prenatal is exactly the same. I just get yep. extra nutrients. It's kind of like, exactly. why not? Um, so for everyone, everyone listening, who's kind of like, oh, well, maybe I could do that. Um, I'll mm-hmm. pop a link in the show notes for um, a prenatal um, cool. that you can check out um, if you'd like to learn more about how to use a prenatal or where to get one or how to find a prenatal that's good for your health. Um, but Kaylee, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Of course. I do have a, a final, <laughs> I have a final podcast question that I ask all okay. of our guests. But before we go there, uh-huh. tell us how can we find you? So if someone's listening to this and they're like, oh, I want to connect with Kaylee, I want to learn more yeah. about this. She sounds amazing. <laughs> um, how do they do that? Sure. Well, I would love to connect. So feel free to come say hi. Um, you can find me most often on Instagram. That's where I do like most of my educating and I only have like the patience for one social media platform so it's really just Instagram um, and you can find me at Kaylee RD and my name is spelled pretty weird it's K-A-E-L-Y-R-D and then my website's the same as that KayleeRD.com and that's where you'll find um, like full articles written off of the same kind of posts that I do on Instagram um, and that's where you'll find info about different services and the Her Hormones Academy course if that's of interest to you but yeah if you want to say hi or you have questions feel free to slide into my dms over there i'm there most days <laughs> i would suggest definitely doing that your instagram is so educational all of your infographics oh, are fantastic <laughs> um, so definitely go and check that out guys if you're tuning into this you need to go and check out kelly it's kelly rd there'll be a link in the show notes of course <laughs> along with to her practice as well as her academy um, but kelly final podcast question okay. is switching gears just a little bit what Think back to when you were menstruating, your first menstrual cycle um, through menarche. What are three guiding tips that you wish you had have known then that you now know today? Okay. Three. Yeah, for your younger menstruating yes. self. <laughs> okay. My younger menstruating self. Um, one would be that menstruation was a good and beautiful thing. Um, I don't want to ramble too much on this, but I just really felt like the whole narrative around periods was that it, it was a pain in the ass. It was going to be uncomfortable. It's this big inconvenience. Like everything I saw was so negative about that. And I wish I had, I wish at a younger age, I had an appreciation for what that meant and that I could see that as a barometer of health. Um, the second thing I wish I knew was that if things weren't going well, and, and in my case at that age, it was, I had really symptomatic periods, like, oh, it was miserable. And that's why I went on birth control when I did. Unfortunately, I wish I knew that that just meant that there was something that needed more support, that it didn't mean that I needed birth control. It meant that I just needed different nutrition or different lifestyle stuff. I, I wish that I had known that. And piggybacking off of that, I guess the last thing is that I wish I knew how much control I had over my health at that time. I felt very much like a passenger, like I needed other experts to tell me, uh, here, take this, here, do that, here's what's wrong. Um, when really like what I needed to have healthier, happier periods was stuff that I could provide for myself. So just wish I knew that. I wish I knew those things too. Yeah. <laughs> um for all the younger menstruators who are listening to this these are really good tips especially the fact that you know your menstruation your whole cycle is a problem of your health you know your mm-hmm. period is that um so many things that we wish you had we 
had have known that's why what you the work that you're doing now is so fantastic because it's helping educate and support that for so many people um both menstruators and non-menstruators alike so kaylee thank you so much for joining us for this episode and sharing all you have around ovulation health um, i'm sure everyone who's listening to this has just learned heaps i know i have and i want to say thank you Oh, thank you so much for having me and for the work that you do. And, you know, you've built such a wonderful community and they're in such good hands with you. Oh, thank you so much. That's really nice of you to say. I just want everyone to know that, like exactly what you said, I wish I had have known, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for um, for sharing that with the community and um, taking the time today. It's been yeah, great. Absolutely. Thank you.